Welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Driven by Design. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you the future of cars and car design. One conversation at a time. With the man who's in the middle of it right now, he's always living in the future. He's going to come back to join us in the present. Brian Thompson, welcome, sir. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I am uh, proud to be here. Grandpa Pop Pop always says. Um, I'm actually come home finally from traveling for three months. So I'm actually in my house and I forgot how much construction noise there is in my house while I've been gone. So, uh, if you hear noise, apologies, it's not as quiet as it was in all the hotels and cottages I was staying in. Speaking of mobility and moving around the country, we do have a very special guest today talking about the future of mobility. Uh, Ruben Zakar is the president of CEO and CEO of the American Center for Mobility. So I really am excited to hear what that means, uh, especially as we look forward to a future that is both driving and self-driving. So welcome to the show, Ruben. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for being happy. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ruben, let's just dive right into it. So um, you have quite a cool job because it seems like you're also getting a glimpse of the future. What I'd love to ask you is, Tell us what is the American Center for Mobility? Yeah, we are a, a, a shared use smart mobility test center or, or otherwise an advanced proving ground uh, that was built for the testing and validation of future mobility technologies, primarily started uh, at a prior GM site that was repurposed. In fact, mm-hmm. way back when it used to build B-24 bombers before uh, when Ford had converted it to, to support the World War II effort, had a long history uh, and then when GM closed the plant in around 2007, the state went and repurposed it. Uh, and with the uh, rise of connected and autonomous vehicles, they took this large sprawling 500-acre facility uh, and through uh, kind of a public-private partnership, built a state-of-the-art premier smart mobility test center um, for uh, the specialized testing of connected and autonomous vehicles, uh, as well as other advanced uh, mobility technologies. Oh, how cool. So it's got quite a history in mobility, meaning it was airplanes to begin with which is, uh, you know, nothing more innovative at the time, especially with the materials, uh, you know, aluminum and stuff at that time, certainly inspired the car industry. And obviously Airstream still takes their main uh, material from the the past of of the aviation industry. But now it sounds like, so it's really a place where people or companies, uh, entities, new startups, et cetera, are existing ones to test out what is what they want to do uh, with with uh, moving people around, is that a fair synopsis? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, you know, to build something like this for your own company, it could cost you a hundred to two hundred million dollars, right? So, yeah, having a shared use facility that brings in the roads, the intelligent transportation connectivity, the specialized equipment, you can focus on your product development instead of building out uh, your own facility. And so, a lot of companies come here, whether they're large automotive OEMs, tier one companies, all the way down into small startups and universities come here and then they can be a resident on campus, rent out the garage spaces, put in their offices and work like a drive-in, drive-out access to a track or some of them come in from their uh, you know, adjacent offices. But there's a lot of that hands-on activity that goes on here in terms of getting on a track, very specialized, not like nicely paved tracks, but tracks that are designed to like represent the real world and then how these new technologies are really gonna uh, uh, work in the real world, but you're doing it in a very closed, controlled, safe setting. Um, so it helps you kind of accelerate your your validation to try to get things into the market faster. 
Yeah, you know, for people who are, are hearing about this kind of place for the first time, they're really cool places. Um, uh, long before I was a car designer, I actually worked out at the Arizona Test Center in the, in the outside of Casa Grande. And it was one of these facilities, and they're really, like, kind of eerie and amazing and cool because what they're, what they're really doing is trying to represent every uh, conceivable uh, experience that a car would have. Now, keep in mind what I what I really excited to hear about is what is it what does that mean for autonomous because my memory of uh the nissan's facility uh, unrelated to my career as a designer for nissan just a coincidence uh it was really about like city streets and like and replicating like a road in italy that had terrible twists or a street in detroit that had terrible potholes and they would actually scan the roads in these places and then replicate the surfaces out there in the arizona desert so you'd be driving along like on a cobblestone street from montpellier france and turn the corner and all of a sudden you're out in like Yuma in the desert with like dunes and stuff. And then, it, and you know, even though the top, the, the climate wouldn't change, what your car was experienced was, was a very hot version of what this road was like in other parts of the world. So, you know, back in the day, in the early days of, of my career, that was really about testing heat and testing uh, durability on roads. Right. But you were, the key thing was I was a test driver, so I was driving the car. Now, these facilities are operating uh, in a way that brings in what does the car need to be able to consider when it's driving itself. So can you talk a bit about that? Like what, what would be in a place like this that would be different than what my memory of the Arizona test center is? Well, we don't have dunes, but uh, you know, maybe, some, <laughs> um, you know, really, you know, you think about a regular test track and in some cases you have a paved oval and you want a nice, perfectly paved oval to certain specs because you're, testing the car. This isn't a ride handling or dynamic track, right? You're trying to test how sensors on vehicles can perceive the world around it and how the AI of that vehicle responds to those challenges. And so there's different kinds of test environments here that let you test vehicles from low speed to high speed and in different kinds of environments that are meant to challenge the vehicle and their ability to make kind of sensing and decisions. And so you think about the kinds of roads we have, they're real roads. They're not perfectly paved in some cases. We actually mm -hmm. re-appropriated re, uh, uh, certain adjacent highways into the physical test facility uh, so we could have some actual highways. And if you're in Michigan, you know that that means cracks, faded lane lines, potholes. Yeah, and, uh, I remember know, those Detroit high school, high, yeah. highways from and college. They want you to leave it that way. They want you yeah. to leave it that way because, you know, connected and autonomous vehicles have to sense those real conditions. And so the more challenging it is, the better. And so that, those are the kind of things you try to recreate, but you do it in a safe environment. So you can do high-speed testing, but, you know, you're controlling. Yeah, who's it's contained. But do you, do you also incorporate things like um, unforeseen obstacles, you know, a cat jumping into the street or a moose or somebody, you know, walking down the street and dropping their stroller? Are you helping cre create these experiences for autonomous vehicles to react to? Yeah, we actually can do that two ways. And one, what, one way is really coming that I'm very excited about. But the, the first way is, we have robotic targets, right? You put a pedestrian on a robotic skateboard and you can move them in front of cars and you can synchronize testing. So a car is kind of moving through a set of challenges where something darts out in front of it. We have um, what we call guided soft vehicle targets where a, a robotic platform, it's like a flat skateboard. You got like a foam car on top and you can drive it like a regular car. And with the real car, you can do like near miss type testing. If you hit it, yeah. you drive right Very over the top. Very cool. You can rebuild it. But the one thing we're doing is also bringing in augmented reality. We just did a demonstration about a week ago where we can actually uh, drive a car on a track by itself and inject virtual traffic around it. So the car thinks it's surrounded by traffic. We can have a deer dart out in front of it. You can have a person. It's not really there, but the car thinks it's there. 
And so mm-hmm. it really can test it, you know, just like it's on public roads, but we've, we've spoofed the car into thinking that, that there's like traffic and all these events happening around it. And that's kind of like the next level up that we're bringing. You know, and that's fascinating too, because working in autonomous cars, I, I get to see a lot of what the car sees and the car, you know, is in the, in a, in, um, in, in the software that it has on board and in satellites, it sees, you know, basically a digital model of the world with all the things going on, right? Very far more capable of processing all that at once than a human mind is. But one of the things I was curious about is it's one thing for the car to be able to know this. Are you are people actually asking you or coming to you with quests to understand how do humans react to the car knowing this? How does a human being react to a car having an awareness of all this stuff going on? Do, are there companies that bring you, let's say, like a focus group of actual humans to ride in these cars with augmented reality to see the traffic that the car is seeing? So they're understanding, oh, why did the car slow down or, you know, dart this way? Or why did it stop or take an evasive manner? Have you, are people coming, are companies coming to you with that? I, I, I've been pushing for that. So I would say yeah. it's on the horizon because I think the first level is you got an engineer in the seat dealing with the technology, they know what it's doing and why it's doing it. And then you have this other right. piece about how are consumers going to perceive things and understand mm-hmm. how things go. Are they going to be too reliant on it or are they going to be not reliant on it? And so w- there are focus groups that happen at companies, but I think there's a lot more work that has to be done in the area. And, and you think about two things, uh, also driver distraction, right? And how are they going to, you know, how are they going to stay engaged in these cars when these technologies come out? Because we already see evidence of people relying on things too much um, mm-hmm. and, and accidents happen. And then augmented reality, actually, people are planning to launch heads-up displays in cars to actually start to give people that information about like what the car is doing. So over time, I think you need a lot more human-machine interface work to be done uh, because it's not just telling the customer that the car is going to drive itself. And, and trust me, they need to kind of – it needs to have that consumer acceptance, right? And so they have to be kind of core to the design philosophy about how these technologies work. So I think it's a ripe area for work, and I think you're going to see a lot more work happening with consumers being taken into consideration in terms of how these technologies, you know, actually will be used in the real world. And then, to yeah, you know, and it's, it, what you bring up is a huge area of discussion. And I think it's really the biggest hurdle. And again, I apologize if you're hearing this background noise, there's some jackhammering going on. So this is my real re- augmented reality right now, but the, um, you know, the, it, whether I've worked with whether the companies like Zooks, who's done, done Amazon's uh, new taxi or Neuro, who's doing like a self-driving delivery vehicle. One of the things that I, I find that startups uh, don't often consider is how the people in the real world are going to accept this technology, at least at this state. It's one thing to have a bunch of engineers that are really like advanced and thinking, oh, this is great technology. It's like any new technology. There's a resistance to it that is generational. And the kids that are born today probably will be less so because they'll have been around it, right? They may never even get their driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. But it can trans. If you really consider the stuff, it can translate into something as simple and in, in the design actionable idea is you know give somebody something to hold on to when the car feels like it's going to get crazy. Now it doesn't really mean you're any safer, but it gives you that sense of being safe. And I think that a lot of these companies would benefit from understanding technology is one side, but the human side is a bigger one. So it makes me happy to hear that that is something that being pushed for. Yeah, you always got to be market driven and consumer centric. Uh, Otherwise, you can explain all the benefits in the world, you know, and it's just it's not you're not going to get that traction. Right. And I think that a lot of I've been in a lot of startups and a lot of it's easy to convince yourself, wouldn't you like a car that does all these things and the engineer tells it to you, but until you kind of view it from the user side, you know, you, you really need to have that driving what the design actually is. Right.
Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, that brings us to the, the next thing, you know, there's a funness to this stuff for, especially there, you know, there's a scary side. I think a lot of people are scared of this technology, but really the part of it you address is how, if I'm getting this right, how can we test the stuff so that we can experience make it a more realistic experience that's going to then come out of the test environments into this world and really actually help people. Do, yeah. do you hear, uh, so let me ask you the question this way as we get closer, because I really want to give people a chance to, to check out your website and stuff too. What would you say is the next 10 years going to look like for a, a mobility? What does that feel like? What is the world going to look like in the next decade? Yeah. And, and I'll answer this kind of a couple ways, because I think your question is, is exactly what I always think about, which is how are the movement of people and goods going to change in the future? And um, what are the problems, the consumer-centric problems we're solving, right? Or the societal problems mm-hmm. we're solving? Because it's not about just technology for technology's sake. You have to apply it in a way that solves problems. And what I get excited about the most is the fact that I think we're at this point of convergence of kind of societal and megatrends converging with technology innovations that are going to rapidly transform the way that we are able to move ourselves and, and move goods, right? And that we're going to mm-hmm. be able to solve a lot of problems with it. Uh, and even, you know, COVID uh, caused us to actually rethink our mobility in general. Like, how much do we really need to travel to get to point A to point B? And so it was an accelerant on on some transformation. But I think the next 10 years, if the bigger picture to me is you want to solve, we have this opportunity to have our cake and eat it too, to solve accessibility issues by giving more mobility to people, you know, whether it's younger groups who don't have a license to elderly people or the disabled, mm-hmm. we're going to have opportunities to improve our environment and our emissions from cleaner transportation, we're going to have a chance to be more efficient with cost and time to get around. Uh, productivity is going to come back because we we all wish we could be more connected and active rather than sitting in traffic. And we're going to have a chance to unlock the economy in terms of just more cost-effective movement of people and goods. And so I think the big picture thing to me is the technologies that are out there are going to kind of unleash this opportunity to um, to to move people and goods in a way that, that solve a lot of, of different issues. The technology landscape, I think, uh, people will debate whether connectivity and automation there was already supposed to be here, right? In 2020, there were supposed to be millions of cars on the road. And and now people- <laughs> Well, they're supposed to fly by now. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've, I've been in so many technology waves that, you know, it takes 10 to 20 years to get hard tech into the market. And so mm-hmm. I, it, irrespective of the date, next 10 years, you're going to see increasing levels of advanced safety systems getting into cars. I think it's going to be less of a wow moment when it's all there at once. It's going to be, you get used to it because you're going to see that bot driving down the sidewalk you know, delivering pizzas uh, before you ever get into the level four car that's taking you someplace. So you're going to get exposure. But I do think that over the next 10 years, you're going to see a lot more advanced safety. So you're going to be able to get into the level four shuttles because those are going to be in very controlled areas, right? Specific operating mm-hmm. design domains. And um, and I think that you're just going to little by little be able to get more and more uh, hands off the wheel and more and more connected in that environment. And eventually, you know, they, the day that you could sleep in your car while it drives you around. It'll be there. Is it 10 years from now? I think you'll be getting to the tipping point. I still think that day of, you know, level five, the steering wheel's gone and you're, you know, you sleep for three hours. That's a little bit farther away, but I think that there's a lot of exciting things you're going to see in the next four to five years, anywhere from automated valet parking where, you know, 12% of the time we're looking for parking spots. Wouldn't you love to just drop your car off and it goes into the I know, I know. You know, that's a whole other discussion we could have about like, you know, know, if you're invested in real estate right now, buy a parking garage. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that, that's where it looks like that's the new frontier for where yeah. what we'll be needing so, for residential spaces. But I want to give you a chance to let people know where to find this out because our, our audience base is everything from you know young designers getting into automotive design to larger companies who watch this to get inspired by things. 
So if somebody wanted to come, at least, I'm sure a lot of what you deal with is confidential, but if you want to at least see online what this place looks like, uh, where do people find it? Yeah, so you can go to our website at uh, www.acmwillowrun.org, I believe is the full website. acm.willowrun? I believe so. You're, you're catching me without knowing my own website. But, That's okay. Uh, That's okay. Just look up American Center for Mobility, and you'll find That's a lot right. of information online. And then we have a ton of webinars and things similar to this. They're very educational. You get like a flavor of a lot of different kind of elements of technology. And while we don't talk about what our confidential customers do, it is, they're very guarded about it. There's mm-hmm. a ton of information that you can find through us about what's happening with technology. Uh, and so just get into the portal. You'll find your way. You'll find some useful information. And, uh, um, you know, and I, I respond to emails. When people reach out to me, I'm very- Ruben Zakar. No, S-A-R-K-A-R. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, Ruben, this is exciting. Um, I'm certainly going to spend a little more time on there. And I appreciate you coming on to the show. Very inspirational conversation. Um, thank you for visiting. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. Another great reason to tune in each and every time. Orange County's only driven by design show. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. 